I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today for our Week 5 Picks of the Week is my coach, Charlie. And Charlie, I know you have traditionally like cherished your bye weeks. Not that you don't love Georgia football, because I know that you do. Like you dropped what about a thousand dollars on those Bama tickets last week in the middle of a pandemic? Something close to that. Like you don't want to think about that, right? Because it's a lot, of, and then we lose, and it's not worth it. Uh, so your love for Georgia football, like I'm not questioning that. But saying that, I also know like you get a little worn down usually by the middle of each season with all the traveling. You go to every game, the tailgating, all the festivities, all the things associated with a normal Georgia football game day weekend. But this year isn't exactly normal. So I'm curious, are you as excited for this bye week as you normally are in a normal year? No, and I'll tell you why. I know where you're going to go with this. (laughs) I thought the bye week was going to be the week after. Okay. And I have a long weekend that weekend, so I was really excited to have like Four days of like leisure and laying around, and now there's football, which is not bad. Football, not bad. It's incredible. But I was looking forward to just laying around for four straight days. When you're screening porch that you have now that you love so much, you always talk about. Yes, I sit there pretty much all day from. Saturday and yeah, I mean, Sunday I, I, night. I know that was your dream. I can't blame you. And I also know that you're upset about Georgia women's tennis. Oh my gosh, it is <laughs> in the men's too. It's I know. awful. I know. And, awful. And in case you guys out there listening have no idea what we're talking about, because I'm sure you probably don't follow Georgia tennis as closely as we do. But we're in the middle of the fall season, which is it's kind of a season. Like it's not really a season. Is like, it's technically a season, but it's not really for anything. It's just individual tournaments. Correct. So it's nice to win. It's not for an instantly title or anything like that. But we haven't got to watch Georgia tennis in a long time. And we've made it pretty clear on this show. Charlie and I are, are big Georgia tennis fans. So is Curtis as well. And uh, this is the one tournament that the girls were going to... The ladies, not girls. Ladies were supposed to be having at home this weekend. The guys, I think, were supposed to be home the weekend of the 7th, right? Have, we're hosting a tournament. And we've kind of been hoping that we would be able to go. We've been waiting on news for... Uh, in terms of like how many people are going to be allowed to attend, what's fan attendance going to be like, and then we get the update this week that, oh yeah, by the way, no fans can come. Unless you're on like the approved list, and you and I aren't special to be on the approved list. Basically, that's family members. Yeah, so 
That sucks. And and I'm, I am actually trying to work the media angle. <laughs> Not that I'm like big time media, but hey, hey you, we want to cover you guys. Is there any way that we can get in? So I know you've been waiting on that for a long time and hoping that you'd be able to watch. Me too, but that's not going to work out. I guess I'll watch it on my computer. There just needs to be. I know that not that many people watch college tennis. I know it's not a big deal nationally. I understand that. But like all you can do, and I give them credit for at least trying to put it to where, up there where you can stream it. But it, the quality is just not good. I wish there was someone that covered college tennis like it does college football and basketball. But I know it's not as big of a deal. But anyway, I know that's kind of frustrating for you. But I hope you kind of enjoy your... Your weekend? So you're just going to be hanging out on your patio all weekend? Yeah. Pretty much? Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Whatever you do, I hope it's a good time. I'm sure there'll be some football on in the background somewhere. Yes. But anyway, we know, guys, that the dogs are not playing this week. But the Picks of the Week show carries on. It doesn't stop for anyone. And the Big Ten is actually making its grand entrance this week. So we have new teams to talk about and more games to choose from and more games for Charlie to pick correctly. I mean, Charlie, you continue... To kill it this year. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not rooting for your downfall, but every week I'm kind of just waiting for you to come back down to earth, but it hasn't happened yet. You know, one week, yeah, yeah sure, that can be an accident. You know, two weeks, maybe even three weeks, we can call that luck as you've been trying to say all along. But four weeks now, four weeks in a row, I got to start calling this a trend. I, I don't know what's going on, but you're killing it. And uh, let's see, maybe this is the week you come back down to earth. I don't know, maybe. We've got some, we got some weird games this week. we got some new teams, so it's tough to pick all of these games when we haven't seen all these teams. So we'll see how it works out this week. But Charlie, she took us all down in the straight-up picks last week again. She went 6-2 and two overall straight-up, pushing her running straight-up total to 24-10. and 10. She also went 4-4 four and four against the spread and is now 20-14 and 14 against the spread on the year. I went five and three straight up to fall one game behind Charlie. We came into the week tied, so now I've fallen one game behind her with a 23 and 11 straight up running total. Tennessee got me last week. You just never know when Guarantano is going to go all Guarantano on you, and he definitely went all Guarantano on us last week. But I did gain a game on you, Charlie, in the against the spread picks, going five and three last week and pushing my against the spread total to 22 and 12 on the season, giving me a solid two game lead on you. Our good friend Cliff rocked out last week. He did a great job. He went 4-4 four and four, both straight up and against the spread. But there was a number of upsets last week. Last week was a tough week to pick. But still, despite that, all in all, another good week all around. Nothing crazy embarrassing to own this week. Maybe my Tennessee pick. I picked them to win and cover, and that didn't really happen. But that was, again, Guarantano going all Guarantano. Every now and then, that's going to happen. I still didn't land that elusive, perfect straight up week. I would love to pump myself up and say it's going to happen this week. But to be real, I'm not exactly confident in that this week with the Big Ten jumping into the equation. As I said, you know, just like week one of the SEC, we think we know who these teams are and who's going to be good, but we don't really know until we know. But we'll give it our best shot anyway. And joining us today to fill in for last week's Pick'em League winner, well, actually last week's Pick'em League runner-up, because as much as it pains me to admit this, Charlie cheated again. She cheated. It's the only possible answer to this. She cheated again and somehow won last week in the Confidence Pool League 2 after Memphis's improbable comeback over Central Florida. I was giving her a bunch of grief while that game was going on because Central Florida was whooping up on Memphis. But somehow we get to the end of the stadium and she's texting me. She's like, oh, my God, Memphis just won. And so she won the league. Well, great. Good for you. Good if for it, you, Charlie. If it makes you feel better to say that I cheated, that's fine. I, it doesn't make me feel better. I just, I mean, yeah, it kind of makes me feel better. I'm not going to lie. It kind of does. It, it kind of does. kind of does. So she won. Congratulations. But I do want to give a shout out to Barry White for being the top listener in last week's pool. 
So great job there, Barry, but Barry was not able to make it on the show today. So filling in for him today is another listener who has been killing it in the Pick'em League, and that is Christopher Piercing. Christopher, welcome to the show, buddy. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me tonight. Oh, our pleasure, man. We're really glad to have you on. But are you ready, my man? Ready to make some picks? Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right, let's do this. Charlie, you know the drill. All right, this is an exciting week because Big Ten football is back. What, why does that excite you? More teams to watch. True. There are, I, I will say, putting together these pick em games that we do each week, it's been kind of slim pickings. Yeah. Because we just haven't had as many games. So it's nice to have more quality games to choose from. Yeah. I'll give them that. But we're going to start with the 12 o'clock games as usual. So you'll have to wait a few minutes to hear about Big Ten football. We're going to start with Auburn traveling west to take on the Fighting Lane Kiffins. Let me just say, I want to fast forward to the Egg Bowl for entertainment purposes because I cannot wait to see the tweets. And the not-so-subtle jabs between Mike Leach it's gonna and be awesome. Lane Kiffin that week. But anyways, Auburn now 2-2 two and two is only a three-point favorite on the road this week in Oxford. I feel like every year Malzahn is on the hot seat, and this year is not looking any different. I'm going to pick Ole Miss to win and cover. I think Ole Miss can score, and Auburn's defense is just a little down in the dumps. Chris, what's your pick? Um, I've really been bouncing back and forth on this one. I mean, Auburn's got a better defense, and really, Ole Miss's defense can't really stop a nosebleed at this point. But at the same time, I saw a lot of jabbing with Auburn with um, Auburn's offense last week with South Carolina and all that. And I'm just worried that maybe Bo Nix is losing his offense. So I'm going to go with Ole Miss to cover and win as well. All right, Tyler. Yeah, great call there, Chris. I I was, I mean, maybe not shocked, but it was. It was interesting to see Seth Williams, Auburn star receiver, going at it. I mean, he was him and Bo Nix were going at it on the sideline, and you got to think there's some sort of dissension going on there because that doesn't just happen, to pro, you know, just crop up in one game. There's something going on behind the scenes there, so that's a great call there. And I'll say this for Ole Miss. You're right. I love what you said there. Ole Miss's defense can't stop a nosebleed. I love that, and that's true. But got breaking news here on the show, guys. Ole Miss is now officially not the worst defense in America. Coming into last week – it was the worst defense in the last 15 years, statistically. But now Memphis has taken those honors, and Ole Miss is now the second worst defense in the country. So congratulations, Rebels, Black Bears, Sharks, whatever you are now. Congratulations for that. But last week was the first time that they held any team under 559 yards this year. They held Arkansas to 394 in a losing effort, but held them to 394 yards. So you think, well, wow, Ole Miss's offense has been awesome. How and they held they finally held a team to under 400 yards. Like, how did they not win this game? Well, they didn't win the game because they turned the ball over seven times. No, I did not misspeak. I do misspeak sometimes, but not there. Seven times. Matt Crow has been fantastic all year. The dude threw six interceptions last week against Arkansas. He had only thrown one coming into that week. But I've got to believe, like, that is the anomaly. That's not what we've seen from the Ole Miss offense. They have not turned the ball over like that. Crowell has been very good protecting the football all year. It's just one of those weird, like, what in the heck just kind of happened games. And I think Arkansas's defense is actually maybe a little bit better than people thought it would be coming into the year. They played pretty well. Uh, and then you got Auburn. There's, there is, it does some, there's some dissension there. Charlie, you mentioned Gus Malzahn, perpetual on the hot seat. And Christopher, you mentioned, obviously, kind of some of the, the issues they've got with their quarterback and their, and their star receiver. But I was like, they have found a run game with Tank Bigsby. I, I told you guys coming into our game against them a couple weeks ago that their run game was non-existent, and it, and it wasn't. But Tank Bigsby, a guy that I really wish that we would have targeted instead of Zach Evans. I know hindsight being 2020 and whatever. 
But uh, he's been really good for them. He's gone for over 100 yards in two straight games and was really good in doing so. But their passing game is still a mess. It's a mess. Bo Nix is not the answer. At least right now, he's not the answer. So if you look at this game, uh, I don't think Matt Corral is going to turn the ball over six times. I do think that was the anomaly on the season. And if Corral does not turn the ball over like that, he doesn't give them easy scores. There's, there was a pick six Arkansas had last week. I just don't think Auburn is good enough on offense to keep pace with Ole Miss's ability to score. I'm just not a believer in Bo Nix. You guys know that. I've been, I have not hid that all year. I've been very upfront about that, even going back to the preseason. So I'm kicking things off. I'm with you guys here. I'm kicking, kicking things off with another upset special for the second week in a row. Uh, actually, the first of two, maybe even three upset specials on the week. Just a little tease for you guys there. Charlie, you mentioned Gus Miles on being on the hot seat. Well, that that seat is about to get red hot with their third, not well, not third straight loss, but third loss in four weeks. All right. Okay. How would you like to be Nebraska this week? Uh, I would never want to be Nebraska. Well, I, I, who wants to live in Nebraska? Okay. Well, I wouldn't because I feel like the Big Ten took it out on Scott Frost and his team for being out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, no doubt about and that. And wanting to play a few months ago because their first test this season is Ohio yeah. State. Oh, talk trash publicly? You get yeah. Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, he might be regretting that. Ohio State is ranked number five, even though they haven't played a single snap, which I personally find really annoying. And they're favored by 26 at home. So I'm going with the Buckeyes to win. However, I think Nebraska will cover. I think both teams will be rusty since this is their first game of the season, but this will give Nebraska the ability to cover. All right. Chris, what's your pick? Um, I've actually got Ohio State winning and covering. Justin Field is a one-man army. I mean, he can run, he can, he's really accurate. Um, I'm expecting improvement from last year and last year he was no slouch. Um, so, you know, the only thing that stopped him from winning the Heisman last year was Joe Burrow putting up a once in a generation, once in a lifetime um, offensive record, basically breaking every record in the book. So I've got, um, I've got Ohio State winning and covering and also, Nebraska's got some questions like quarterback, what they just named their quarterback a week ago. So that uncertainty, that new quarterback breaking them in and all that, I think that's going to go against Nebraska on this one. All right, Tyler? Yeah, good stuff, Christopher. Uh, Look, we know, I mean, there's no question here, Ohio State's clearly the more talented team. But, man, I am going to be rooting hard for Nebraska. And this is not a Justin Fields thing. I know some Georgia fans are like anti-Justin Fields, and whenever he plays, you want to root against him. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I wish a guy the best of luck. I just – I love how hard Scott Frost and all the entire Nebraska administration fought for there to be college football. I know they were looking out for themselves, but it was just great to see that, to see them fight back against the Big Ten. And I know Ohio State did that a little bit too, but I'm not going to root for Ohio State, guys. It's just not going to happen. Nebraska, they're harmless. I'm not, I'm not worried about Nebraska. And Scott Frost has always struck me as a, as a good dude, gone back home like Kirby did. Uh, so I'm going to be rooting hard for them in this game. And also, I'll be rooting hard for them because I want Ohio State to lose because it helps our playoff chances. I mean, who knows what our playoff chances are. But to have these other teams that are ranked inside the top five lose, it never hurts us, right? So that would be awesome. But despite my rooting interest in this game, Nebraska is just not ready to beat Ohio State. They're just not there yet. Uh, Fields is in year two. You, you're totally right, Christopher. This guy, he's a beast, man. I, I do wish he was on our roster right now, but he's not. We know that. Whatever. We've got to get over that. But he's going he's gonna to have a great year. He should have a great year, barring injury. Hopefully that doesn't happen. You've got two good receivers to throw to, Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson. Neither one have really had to be the guy yet, but I really like what I've seen from Chris Alave. Uh, so I think he's got a good duo there to throw to. 
Defensively, they're going to be really good. Yeah, they lost some guys. They're going to be good. Sean Wade, he opted out, but opted back in when the Big Ten announced they were actually going to play this year. They've got a great group of linebackers with Baron Browning and Tough Borland. I really want to – like. I think Ohio State has a good chance they're going to cover here. But 26 is a lot of points in week one with such an extended layoff. And, look, I know it's at the horseshoe, and so normally that would give them a couple of points, right? But there's no fans allowed in Big Ten games this year. So I just question how much of a factor like home field advantage is going to be for Big Ten teams this year. Adrian Martinez, the quarterback, you mentioned him, Christopher. He was able to hold off uh, – the quarterback in Nebraska was able to hold off the latest McCaffrey offspring. I think this is maybe a Luke McCaffrey, one of the McCaffreys. So, uh, so he's heading into his third year as a starter. Now, he hasn't started all those games. He's dealt with some injuries. But he's been a starter off and on through injuries for about three years now. And he was a big get for Scott Frost. You guys remember back a couple years ago when Scott Frost first got that job? He went after Adrian Martinez because he fit his offense. He got him. He hasn't really lived up to the hype yet. Injuries have had a lot to do with that. He needs to become that guy this year if Nebraska is going to even come close to contending for any kind of Big Ten title berth. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm a believer in Adrian Martinez, but I do think that he's good enough to do enough to at least get the cover here with Ohio State maybe being a little rusty after this, after this extended layoff. I don't feel great about Nebraska covering, but I'm going to take a flyer here because I want to root for him in some capacity. I don't think they're going to win, so let me root for him to at least cover. All right. Okay, so we all know I love Arkansas, but I've also found a love for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels this year. They lost to FSU of all. You just like that color. No. Really? I've heard you say that many times. I like the Navy. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'm I'm hearing things. I don't know. They lost to FSU of all teams last week, but not without trying to come back and get the win. I'm choosing the Tar Heels, of course, but I think NC State will cover. 15 and a half points is a lot, and after last week, the Tar Heels may struggle. Again, on defense after that ugly game we witnessed against the Knolls. Yeah, that was ugly. Yeah. Chris, what's your pick? Um, Well, with this one, I know UNC lost last week to Florida State, which completely blew my mind because um, Florida State got up big on that, and I thought their only win was going to be over the my- mighty Jacksonville State for a while. <laughs> but um, UNC came back, and they ended up losing by, what, three or four? Um. UNC is going to stu- – that was a stumbling block. I think that was a one-time this year thing. So, I've got UNC winning, but I'm not sure they're going to cover this spread. I like them more around the 10-point range, not so much a 15-and-a-half. All right. All right. So, the Wolfpack won last week, and thank God they did. Because in the process of winning, beating Duke, they capped off a nice four-game parlay for me. I was kind of on pins and needles all day at the sports bar in Tuscaloosa waiting – waiting to see how these games are going to play out. They were the last one I had to hit. I actually saw that, saw that they won as I was walking to the stadium. So they're on my good side for that. But other than that win, it wasn't really a great week for the Pack. Devin Leary, their quarterback, when he got knocked out of that game, he's going to be out. I think it was a fibula he broke. He's going to be out for four to six weeks at least. And that guy is really good. He's kind of been behind the resurgence of this NC State team this year. And also UNC lost. Now you might think, well, they don't like it. they don't like North Carolina, so it's probably good for them that North Carolina lost. No, not in this not in this scenario. I don't think it's good for them that North Carolina lost. So North Carolina is going to be focused this week, even more than they normally would be facing a rival, an in-state rival like that. Because North Carolina, they they blew that game. I mean, you're right, Chris. It blew my mind. I mean, I, I had another side bet that North Carolina was actually in, and they were the last one. I would have hit both my bets if, if the Tar Heels hadn't lost, but they screwed me over on that one. But they lost despite outgaining Florida State by 130 yards. 
They got into a 31-7 hole. I thought they were going to come back in between timeouts and during halftime of the Alabama-Georgia game. I was watching that. I pulled that game up on my phone. It's watching because I had a little bit of a little bit of something on it. But it was just a combination of poor coaching decisions, turnovers, poor execution. But that's not – I don't think that's going to necessarily repeat itself this week. North Carolina is still the better team. They're the more talented team. But the matchup does concern me some. Carolina's given up 152 yards rushing a game. And I really like what NC State's been able to do on the ground with a rushing attack. Ricky Person Jr., Zach Knight have both gone over 300 yards on the year. It's a good one-two punch there. And North Carolina, like they, they're good. But they have been very Jekyll and Hyde this year. They barely beat BC uh, a couple weeks ago. They, then they put up 56 on Virginia Tech. Then they turn around and lose to Florida State. Like, you just don't know what to expect them. But they're better than losing to Florida State. And here's what it comes down to for me. It's like, I, I'm, I'm always like a guy that goes with the better quarterback if I think he's even remotely close. I have zero faith in Bailey Hockman coming in to back up Devin Leary to win a game like this. And Sam Howell at North Carolina, he's legit. Their offense is just too dynamic to lose this game. Now, I thought that last week, too, but <laughs> didn't work out so well for me. But I, I do think NC State will find some success running the football, and that will allow them to shorten the game and do just enough to cover the 15-and-a-half. If it was a 14-point spread, I might take the heels. I probably would. But that extra point and a half, 15-and-a-half, that's too much for me. And, Charlie, real quickly, before we move on to our next game, I do want to tell everyone about our friends at my bookie. You guys know that – Football is back in full swing. The NFL is back. College football has been back for a couple weeks. Heck, the Big Ten is even back this week. The Pac-12 is just a few short weeks behind us. And the Major League Playoffs, the World Series is going on right now. So there are so many games out there for you to bet on and so many games for you guys to win money on. If you're the type of guy who likes to bet the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. That's the way I go each and every week. It makes watching all the games, even the games you don't really necessarily have a rooting interest in, it makes watching them a lot more fun. And you can't forget about the underdogs either. Last week in my four-game parlay that I was able to finally pull off this year, I had three underdogs. I had South Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Louisville all to cover, and thankfully they did. And then I had one favorite. I threw NC State in there just to beat Duke on the money line. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun leading up to the Georgia-Alabama game. Gave me something to watch and root for all day long. So my bookie's got everything you guys want. They got game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and turn all the sports knowledge you guys have into actual cash in your wallet. All you got to do is sign up at my bookie. And when you do, just use the promo code OVERTIME for a complete deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks and again there's so much to bet on college football nfl world series stacked ufc cards presidential prop bets all the major sports sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Oklahoma is now 2-2 two and two after winning the Red River River rivalry. Say it. Red River rivalry. You have to say it slow. I was not going to be able to say it. Well, they won in a thriller. The Sooners will travel to TCU and are favored by a touchdown. 
I'm sure the playoff committee will still select Oklahoma to be in the playoffs in December. No way. If they do, there's hey, no way. I, mean, I wouldn't be I know, surprised. I know. I'm I, not bitter either. It's tough to predict them. Anyways, I'm picking Oklahoma to win and cover. They need to come out and prove they belong in the playoffs because we know that they'll, they're trying to get there. I don't think they're trying to get there. I just don't see any route that that's possible. Maybe more bogus things have happened. Yeah, that's true. Opinion. That's true. They should have been in the, either the past two years, in my opinion, but they, they were. Yeah, they've also had an extra week to practice and fix some of the issues they have had in the first four games. So Sooners to win and cover. Chris? Um, so I'm actually a big fan of TCU's head coach. Whenever an opening opens up here in the SEC, I kind of expect, um, Pinkle's name to come out or whatever. Wait, no, that's not TCU. Yes, no, Gary Patterson. Patterson. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Patterson, thank you. Gary Patterson. I knew it was Gary something. Gary Patterson. Pinkle Patterson. I like him. He, um, a lot of Gary's going around now at this point. Anyway, um, but I'm a big fan of uh, I'm a big fan of him. He's probably one of the few coaches in the big in the Big Twelve that likes playing defense. And so, Rattler's getting it together. Oklahoma's um, starting quarterback. But I think this will be one of the better defenses he sees during the regular season. I'm actually going to go with TCU to pull this upset. I like it. I like the boldness there. I think TCU is certainly capable of pulling this upset. I, I think the the guys in Vegas set these lines. They have it right giving TCU the respect they did, give, making this only a six-and-a-half-point spread. Both teams are coming off buys, and that's always something I look at when you're, when you're looking at one of these games because I do think a bye week is an advantage, but they're both coming off buys, so it's a wash there. And I do think this is another instance where one team is more talented than the other, and, but that's not – like you mentioned, Gary Patterson's a really good coach, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and he's been a lot of teams before – where they, the team doesn't have near as much talent. I mean, Texas has significantly more talent than TCU. TCU gives them nightmares year in and year out. We already saw that earlier this year. He's a guy that can pull off an upset against a more talented team. But while TCU has kind of had Texas's number for whatever reason, they've been out-talented. They still find a way to beat them and push them. Even the games they don't win, they push them. This Oklahoma TCU series hasn't been especially close, and that doesn't necessarily matter this year, but just kind of looking back at, at, in past years – Last year was a four-point game. It was a close game last year. But the previous three games, Oklahoma won by an average of 22 points. So there, there is a gap here between the two programs in terms of the talent level coming in here. I, I do think, and you mentioned him, Christopher, it's all about quarterback Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma. Can he play a clean game? When this guy plays clean, they're pretty good offensively. It's kind of like us. When Stetson Bennett plays clean, we're pretty good offensively. When Spencer Rattler plays well, they're pretty good. So when he makes mistakes, they, they, they lose games they probably shouldn't lose. And I do think he's growing. He's learning. He's a young quarterback. He's a really talented quarterback. I do think he's a great fit for that system. He's just got to continue to learn and grow. And I think he's done that throughout these past couple of weeks. He's come off a bye week, which he could hopefully continue to develop. And TCU, I, I do like what they do defensively. But they're just having quarterback issues right now. And I'm always hesitant when you're talking about quarterback issues because that's the most important position on the field. They started the season with one of our former walk-ons, Matthew Downing, but they benched him for Max Duggan, who was their starter last year. Then they benched Duggan again in their last game, and they put Downing back in, and Downing promptly throws the game-losing pick six against Kansas State to lose 21-14. So I just don't know exactly what they're going to be doing at the quarterback uh, position right now. I think that Duggan's a more talented guy, but he's not a great passer, not a consistent passer. So we'll see what happens there. And Oklahoma could also be getting back three players off a of suspension. A couple of those guys are impact players. Ronnie Perkins is probably their best defender, certainly the best pass rusher. Ramondre Stevenson's a running back that came on really strong for them last year. They've been suspended because of an uh, of a, uh, alcohol incident, a drug incident, actually, uh, before the Peach Bowl last year. 
and they've been suspended for the first half of this year per their their Oklahoma, their Oklahoma school standards. But this is the first game that they should be able to be back. Their suspension should be lifted. So I think that could be a big lift for them. I do like Oklahoma in this game. I just I don't trust teams with quarterback issues, issues especially when that team is playing a more talented team. It's a principal play here for me. I'm actually making this my lock of the week. I'm going to Oklahoma to win and cover the six and a half. Okay. Next up, Bama is going to Knoxville, and they're favored by 21 points. I don't want to talk about Bama. Like, uh, I, I, don't, I really don't either. I, I respect to, that. I respect yeah. that. Bama to win and cover. It's that simple. Chris, what's your pick? I've got Bama to win and cover. I mean, the absolute I – mean, you know, Georgia, we have a quarterback controversy right now, and now Tennessee's trying to upstage us by having a three-person controversy at this point. Because, what, we had Garantano in there first, then they benched him, and they put in Maurer. And didn't they put in – I believe they put in a third quarterback for the game. So, yeah, I mean, they put in three freshmen from, from Marietta. Yeah. So Harrison we'll Bailey. See, I mean – We'll see. I've got Bama winning and covering. This isn't – I don't expect this to be close. This isn't Tennessee's year to get this done. Saban's going 23-0 and now against his assistants. Yeah, Bama has won 13 in a row in this series. Nick Saban has never lost to Tennessee since he's taken over in Tuscaloosa. And dear God, Alabama is going to destroy Tennessee again this year. Tennessee doesn't exactly have positive vibes right now. Christopher, you mentioned the, the quarterback issues right now. The fans, I mean, it seems like every other game they wanted to just rip Jared Guarantano's head off, and I can't exactly blame them. And then you got Jeremy Pruitt firing coaches in the locker room at halftime against Kentucky. Like, what is that? Like, this dude, oh, my God, he's just a hothead, man. There's some, there's something going on inside that program. Uh, I think the only hope Tennessee has is an Alabama letdown, but, like, this is Nick Saban. Nick Saban. That doesn't really happen with Alabama. Other teams have letdowns. Alabama doesn't really do that. Uh, and, and Tennessee, you mentioned, is another team with a quarterback issue. I mean, Guarantano is fine sometimes. Actually, a pretty talented guy. But he done and went all Jared Guarantano last week against Kentucky with a double pick six. 29 games as a starting quarterback, and he throws two pick sixes in the same game. And even if this is one of those games where Guarantano has one of his more lucid moments, because he'll have those occasionally, the Tennessee defense, they're just not there. They got two pretty good cornerbacks, but we have two better cornerbacks and we saw what happened last week against those Alabama receivers. And they have no ability to pressure Mac Jones at all. So I just don't see any way they're going to stop this Alabama offense unless Alabama stops themselves. I do think that Jim Cheney will do what we didn't do enough of and try to run the ball in Alabama because that's kind of what this offense is built to do. I think they'll try to do that. But their offensive line, as I've been saying all year, just isn't good enough to do that all game long, even if Bama does have some issues up front. So it's pretty clear here. Alabama is the play here, tied to win and cover. And I'm sure they'll get the help of Jared Guarantano to, to, to cover that 21. All right. Oklahoma State is hosting the Iowa State Cyclones this weekend, and it's another coin toss. Iowa State had a huge win when they upset Oklahoma a few weeks ago, and Oklahoma State hasn't really been tested so far this year. That's a true statement. That's um, true. I'm going to go against the majority with this pick, and I'm choosing the Cyclones to win and cover. And I also think they have a cool – it's unique. It's mascot? unique. Is that nickname? Really Nick, yeah. The mascot's like a red bird. Yeah. But yeah, but they're, like they're, the they're the Cyclones. That's Different. their nickname. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what's your pick? Oh, I've got Iowa State winning this as well. I mean, they lost to um, Louisiana in the first game of the season. I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. But ever since then, I mean, they've, I mean, they beat TCU. I thought that was a I'd call that a good win. They beat Oklahoma. I'd call that a great win. They took care of Texas Tech. You know, that's a that's an okay win. Yeah. Um, 
Meanwhile, you've got um, Oklahoma State. They've played juggernauts like Tulsa and Kansas. And, and the West Virginia game, I mean, I'll give them that. That's a good game. But I think this is going to be Oklahoma State's real test. I think this is the time, first time they're really going to get punched in the mouth. And I think Iowa State's going to get this win tonight or this weekend. All right. All right. So interesting. Both of you are on the Cyclones here to take down a top 10 team. Honestly, guys, I'll be real with you. There's some pretty good games on this week. I mean, Georgia's not playing, obviously. So this is normally I'd be most excited about our game, of course. But with us on a bye week, I think this is the game I'm most excited to watch out of all the games on the slate this week. And I really think this could end up being a preview, like round one of the eventual Big 12 title game. Because, you know, the, the way they do it with their round robin schedule, so the, the top two teams and the conference standings at the end of the year will face each other again. And I think right now both these teams are on track to do that. Oklahoma State, guys, very true statements, Chris. You're exactly right. And, Charlie, you're on this too. They really haven't been tested. They haven't really played anyone of any significance whatsoever. But still, they're quietly one of only – I think I count this correctly – quietly one of only four undefeated FBS teams left. And they've done it all without their starting quarterback. But true, they haven't really played much of anybody, and they haven't played in three weeks. They're supposed to play Baylor. Baylor's had all sorts of COVID issues, and they already had a bye week built in there. So it's been three weeks since Oklahoma State has played. But in that time, it's allowed Spencer Sanders, their starting quarterback, to actually get healthy. He returns this week, and now he, he kind of puts together that three-headed monster that they have offensively with himself, Tywin, Tylen Wallace at receiver, and then Chuba Hubbard at running back. That's a really good trio uh, of playmakers on offense. So this is the first time since like the second drive of the year against Tulsa that, that they are going to be back. And Tulsa, like I know it's, it's, hey, it's Tulsa, right? They did beat UCF, throw that out there. Um, and, but remember, guys, remember Mike Gundy back in like, I don't know, it was April or May, like came out as one of the first coaches to like openly support getting guys back on campus and getting this season going. And then he had the whole OAN controversy, like wearing the OAN shirt and people were freaking out. Chuba Hubbard was saying he wasn't going to play. He was going to boycott the season, all that stuff. Well, there's a reason Mike Gundy, in my opinion, came out and was so adamant early on about wanting to play this season. I think he knew what he had in this team. I think he knew this could be a year that, that they could make a run to the Big 12 title game. Look, guys, this is Oklahoma State. Traditionally, not a great program. They don't have a very rich tradition of winning Big 12 titles. So when they have a good team like this, that's a chance to do it. You better believe Mike Gundy wants to capitalize on this. So I think that's why he was pushing so hard. He has a great team, and he does have a good team. Their defense has actually been surprisingly good, which is rare for them. Yes, I know they've only played three games, and I know they haven't really played anybody great, but they still only given up 27 total points in those three games. That's, I don't care who you're playing. That's pretty good. That's much better than what Oklahoma State normally does. And very true that Iowa State has been the much more tested team here, and they really have recovered from that week one loss to Louisiana. But even in the wins, their quarterback, Brock Purdy, who's a guy that I, had, I do have a lot of respect for. I still respect him. He just hasn't been as good as I expected him to be in year three as a starter. He's been fine, but just only fine. He's been okay. But it's Brees Hall, their sophomore running back. He's he's the guy that's really been the, the workhorse of them. He's made up for Purdy. I mean, he's gone for over 100 yards every single game. He's second nationally in rushing offense. But that Oklahoma State defense, in one of their rare years of being pretty good, has a top 10 rushing offense right now. This one, I, I agree with you, Charlie. It's kind of a, a toss-up for me. Again, it could very well be round one of the eventual Big 12 title game. The Pokes are at home, though, and I think the return of Spencer Sanders gives this offense a little bit of juice, so I'm I'm not crazy confident in this, but I'm going to take the Pokes to win and cover the three and a half. Give me Oklahoma State. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. This is our second to last pick for this week. South Carolina will be going to Death Valley and Baton Rouge this weekend for a night game. Luckily, there's a pandemic going on, if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> So it won't be nearly as intimidating as it could be. Yeah, I don't know if this is the true Death Valley experience. Yeah. I think South Carolina is playing well, even though they lost the first two games to Tennessee and Florida. And in my opinion, Muschamp will have his team ready to play. Also, LSU has had so many struggles this year that I think it's going to give South Carolina a chance to go in and get the win at Death Valley on Saturday night. So I'm going with the Gamecocks to win. I really don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. Well, I didn't say I wanted to. I mean, I love Bobo. I just, I know, I know. Okay, so you know, I mean, hey, I have to defer to you right now. You're, you're rolling right now. So I'm not that confident. I defer to you. I'm just saying. All right, Chris, what's your pick? Oh, I've got South Carolina going in the Death Valley and winning this thing. Um, I really like Bobo, and as long as we don't have any like overly questionable like late game clock management issues like we did against Florida, I think South Carolina will do just fine. I like I like Bobo as an offensive mind. I was really sad to see him go. Um, he's probably been my favorite OC since Munkin, but Monk, Jerry's still out on him. We've only had him for four games so far, so we'll see him down the road. I love him as much as I do Bobo. But I like Bobo as an offensive mind. I think he sees this really just torn to shreds LSU defense at this point, and he's just he knows how to take care of business with them. I mean – I think back to 2013, Murray versus Mettenberger, and I remember Bobo just drawing up play after play and helping us win that shootout when we had Todd Branson as our DC. That's an awesome so, game, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. That was my first year at Georgia. That was crazy. That was awesome, man. That's a great first year to see that game. Yeah. So you're going South Carolina on this one. I'm with you, man. I love I, – I'm, I'm, I was so torn when Mike Bobo – not torn. I was angry when he went to South Carolina because I, I'm with you. I love Mike Bobo. I've been a big time Bobo fan for a long time. I think when he left to go to Colorado State, I think that kind of sealed Mark Rick's fate right there. He's got to bring in Schottenheimer and then the rest is history, right? So I, I always want this guy to do well. I was, I was, I actually kind of became like a mini Colorado State fan when he went out there because that's Colorado State. They don't threaten us. So I just really want to see him do well. So I didn't enjoy how that went down for him. I'm glad he landed on his feet. I just wish it wasn't at South Carolina because I, it's an in division rival and I oh well, I don't know if we can call, can we call them rivals guys Charlie Christopher is can we call them a rival are they even on that level I don't know no. I, I don't I don't call them a rival um I know they kind of look I mean I consider Tennessee more of a rival than I do South Carolina I agree I, I just think, have a, I think Spurrier I think Spurrier going to South Carolina made it more of a rival just because of his history with Georgia at Florida as a player and a coach but for the most part I don't really consider them yeah a rival yeah, I think, that's, I think you're right, and that's a great point with Spurrier. And to me, it's just a, it's personal with me and the South Carolina fans. Every time I've gone there, like well, almost every time. Last last time we went was fine, but almost every time I go to, I've gone to every game there that we played since what I don't know, 2008 maybe. Been it's been a long time, and they just have like all fans, all fan bases have some some stupid fans that happens. It's just part of college football. 
But I just think there's more per capita in the South Carolina fan base than there are in any other fan base. They're just idiots. So they just have no tradition of winning. So when they were pretty good with Spurrier, they didn't know how to handle it. So they were just complete and utter trash, in my opinion. I'm sorry. If anyone like, has a family member with South Carolina, I'm sorry for saying that. I just had some really bad experience with them. So I kind of had this like personal hatred for them. But you're right. I don't think they're on our level to call them a rival. Um, but still, I, I didn't want to see him go to South Carolina. Because I like to root for Bobo, and I can't really root for him at South Carolina, at least when – I guess when they're playing games like LSU, it's fine. And they're not really contending for the SEC's title. But anyway, Bobo's there. I have a lot of respect for him. And LSU, like, they have so much more overall talent than South Carolina. But that defense is a mess. And I told you guys in the preseason when we were doing our, our preseason pick show, I told you guys it would be. They lost just they lost too much. I know they recruit really well. But you can't lose that many guys and be so young on defense. And with a new coordinator and a new scheme going from a 3-4 to a 4-3 and expect everything to just be hunky-dory and, and be seamless there in that transition. I mean, they gave up 45 points and 400 yards to the to Missouri when they had a start, their starting quarterback was making his first career start. Connor Bazelik was making his first career start, went for 400 yards passing against this Tiger defense. And, and for, 45 points Missouri put up on them. Mississippi State scored 44 in week one. But you know, you guys know how many points Mississippi State has scored combined over the last three weeks since that game? 21. They scored less than half the points combined over the last three games that they scored in one single game in week one against LSU. That defense is abysmal right now. They just are. They're just not there. And what LSU has had to do to even be remotely competitive in games is put up major points themselves. But their quarterback, Miles Brennan, is likely out this week. I think Coach Oak said that he was very questionable. I think that was the phrase that he used, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be playing. So if he doesn't play, it's going to be a true freshman for them, either T.J. Finley or a, a Coney County's own Max Johnson, just from down the road here in Athens. So, I, I mean, I don't have a lot of faith in a true freshman, guys. I mean, South Carolina, they haven't been lighting the world on fire offensively, but it was kind of has his throwback offense where he's run the ball a lot, and they're doing it effectively, but they're not putting up massive points. But this LSU defense is struggling. The offense has had to keep them in games, and I just don't have faith in a true freshman quarterback to be able to, to continue to do that this week. It pains me to say it because I don't like South Carolina, but I'm going with Carolina as my second upset special of the week. I thought I would be alone in this, and here you guys both are on this train too. But I think you're on the right side of this. All right. In our last pick of the week and in a primetime matchup, we have Jim Harbaugh taking the Wolverines to Minnesota to take on P.J. Flex. Minnesota. Something like that. PJ Fleck got a big raise in the offseason and more importantly, during a pandemic, when other sports at Minnesota were actually canceled, like track and field. And I think men's Yeah, I think they actually did cancel the men's tennis program. Took away sports while he got a big raise, but that's okay. I guess. I don't know. That's another debate altogether. Hey, give you mine, right? Anyways, I haven't been very impressed with Jim Harbaugh, even though he was brought back to his alma mater to bring home. He wins like nine games a year. He hasn't won a title. He wins like nine games a year. Okay. Well, that's not good enough. I get it. I know that's not what he was brought in to win. I get it. I also think I heard that he could have gotten an extension in the off season on his contract and he didn't. And now him and the president are like at odds over this COVID thing. Yeah. So I think both teams will be a little rusty since this is their first game of the season. And I think it'll be pretty close, but I'm going with the home team, Minnesota to win and cover. Chris, what's your pick? Oh, I've got Minnesota. Um, I know that um, what Rodney Smith, I know Minnesota lost Rodney Smith um, last year, but they've still got their other running back in there. Um, You know, Muhammad, what, Abraham? Is that his name? I think it's it's pronounced Abraham. Yeah. Okay. 
he's back. Um, I really like their quarterback, Morgan. He's back again. So uh, Tanner Morgan's back. I mean, really, I mean, I like P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck, when he was at, what, Eastern Michigan, he he's one of those coaches, when you talk about these coaches that do more with less, P.J. Fleck is one of those guys. I mean, he got Eastern Michigan to a New Year's Six Bowl where they kept it within one score of Wisconsin. Um, you know, their recruiting classes haven't been great. And even then, even with those poor recruiting classes, he's still winning. Uh, he, he did a great job last year with Minnesota and just did miss a um, a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, an Outback Bowl against Auburn and beat them fairly handedly. I mean, that's he's no slouch. Um, you know, they return eight starters on offense. And I think in the beginning when your defenses are rusty because all they've been doing is playing against themselves all all, all this, during all this practice time, I really do think that that's going to go in Minnesota's um, favor because Minnesota's returning a lot on offense while Michigan's returning a lot on defense. And Michigan also has some questions with the quarterback right now. They're bouncing between two guys, I believe. So really at this point, this could get into a thing where the offenses have to carry them for the first few weeks while the defenses are kind of getting used to the way things are going. And I've got Minnesota winning. All right, Tyler? Yeah, I, I think I'm with you guys here. When you look at Minnesota, the first question you have to ask yourself is, okay, was last year a fluke? Because that's not traditionally what Minnesota has been. Or is it maybe the start of something new? And I think I'm leaning towards, at least for this season, the start of something new. There's a good bit of turnover for Michigan. Um, obviously, you're going to have a new quarterback. I think Joe Milton's going to end up being the guy. They have a couple guys coming back at, at the running back position, led by Zach Charbonnet. Ronnie Bell's with the only contributor they have returning at wide receiver, Nico Collins. He left and signed with an agent. He's gone. But Ronnie Bell's a pretty good player, but there's not a ton coming back around Joe Milton outside the running back position to help him be his be in his first year as a starter if he does end up being the guy this weekend. But they're always good on defense. Michigan is always good on defense. They've been top 10 the last six years. They've been top uh, – I'm sorry, top 11 the last six years. They've been top 10 five of the last six years. They've actually been the top four four of the last six years. This team, under Don Brown, their coordinator, consistently churns out really good defenses. They may not always have the athletes on defense, but they're always putting up really good numbers. But the thing is, I really like this Minnesota offense. I think Tanner Morgan at quarterback, you mentioned him, Christopher, is one of the more underrated players in America. I thought he was really, really good for them last year. They had two good receivers in, in Bateman and Johnson, but I thought he was maybe the key to that whole team. And Rashad Bateman is back. He, he opted out, but he opted back in once the Big Ten announced they were coming back. He's legit at wide receiver. He's a guy that, man, we were recruiting back in the day, and we let him go. He went to Minnesota, and now this guy's been borderline All-American. And I wish he's another guy. Wasn't, I wish he the, um, wasn't he the Big Ten receiver of the year last year in the Big Ten where Ohio State, like, pumps him out like no tomorrow? Yeah, I believe he was. Actually, I'm going to look that up right now. Big Ten player. I think he was. I think he was the Big Ten receiver of the year. Yep, he was in 2019. He had 60 catches, 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. Big Ten receiver of the year. And so yeah, they lose Tyler Johnson, who certainly took some more attention away from Bateman. But Bateman, I, I believe, was the better receiver. He's he's a stud. I wish we had him. Obviously, we could use him right now. But you know, again, hindsight's 2020, right? And here's the thing, too. Like, Minnesota's offense was good last year, but their defense, like, no one talks about that. Their defense was top 10 last year. Now, can they repeat that? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they don't have, the, they don't have as much talent as Michigan, but I think they're really well coached. And, and Joe Milton, if he's the guy at quarterback for Michigan, he could end up being really good, but we just don't know that right now. So in week one, I'm going with the team that has more known quantities, known factors, 
And I believe that's Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, Muhammad Ibrahim. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the Gophers, baby. Give me Minnesota to pull the slight upset at home. Row the boat. Let's go. I guess that's three upset specials for me this week. I thought I only had two. That's three. Yeah. All right. Well, Christopher, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate you joining us on short notice like this. You did an awesome job, buddy. Oh, thanks. Uh, no, I was glad. To, I was glad to get on. I'm a big fan of the show. So when y'all offered the opportunity, I had to jump on it. Well, we really appreciate it, man. We'll try to get you back on here sometime in the future. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Go dogs. Go dogs. All right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UJ podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for checking back in. As always, for Charlie, I'm Tyler. Hope you guys enjoy your bye week Saturday. I know the dogs aren't playing, but still enjoy your college football Saturday. We don't get many of them. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>